I'm very thankful to the Lord because He gives me this breath of life and gives me good friends that tell me good jokes. I'm not going to mention any names. It's another guy in the church, so y'all just take this for what it is. The, the tribulation the men in this church are going through right now is it's very revealing. But uh, he said that, he said, you know what the shortest fairy tale is? Do you know what the shortest fairy tale is? He, says, he said, the shortest, shortest fairy tale is, is simply this. Man asked a woman to marry him. Woman says no. He lived happily ever after. <laughs> and this man says he's happily married. I don't know. I wonder... It, uh, I, I'm thankful that I can say that I am married and I am living happily ever after. I have a wonderful wife and I'm thankful for that. But that, that is the shortest fairy tale I've ever heard, brother. And I'm not going to mention who told me that joke. All right, verse 5, starting in verse 5, Nehemiah chapter 9, uh, verse 5. The, then the Levites, Jeshuan, Cadmiel, and Bani, Hashabaniah, and Sherebiah, Hodajah, Shebaniah and Petahiah, see, I, I'm not sure about some of these names, said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever, and blessed be thy glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Amen. These guys here, they know God. They're, they're, they're getting the uh, temple rebuilt. I mean, they're getting the wall rebuilt here, and they're getting to the end of that rebuilding process. God's brought them out of captivity bringing them back to the land. The, the land's starting to come alive again at this time. And they've been, uh, they've been uh, turning back to God, so they start praising God for who He is and what He is in verse 6. And they say, Thou, even Thou art Lord alone. There's no other God but our God. Thou hast made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth, and all things that are therein, the seas and all that is therein. And thou preservest them all, and the host of heaven worship, worshipeth thee. So they go on to say this. They go on to say that God made all things, God keeps all things, and God should be worshipped above all things. That's exactly what they just said there in verse 6. He made heaven and heaven and heavens. He preserveth them at the end of verse 6. And then he says, and the host of heaven worshipeth thee. The, the host of heaven. That's why I said that God should be worshipped above all things. Because he's not worshipped above all things. But if, you, if, if the Bible confirms that the host of heaven, the heavenly beings, those heavenly beings that are more powerful and, and, that, and that are higher than us are worshipping God, we of, men, of all things as men should be worshipping God also. Amen. But most men don't. Amen. Most men don't. But we do understand through these scriptures and what God has told us and what we know. And they're, they're confessing that God is the maker of all things. He's the keeper of all things. And he should be worshipped above all things. And we should keep that in mind. Amen. Now skip down because they're going to basically give a history of the nation of Israel. And during this history, Nehemiah says something very interesting. Look, skip down to verse, chapter, I mean, verse 13. Verse 13. <clears throat> Skip down to verse 13. And this is where my message is going to come from this morning. Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai, and spakest with them from heaven, and gavest them right judgments and true laws, good statutes and commandments, and madest known unto them thy holy Sabbath. Underline that right there. Do you understand what he just said there? Verse 14. And madest known unto them thy holy Sabbath. Nobody knew about the Sabbath until God came down and gave it to Israel on Mount Sinai. Amen. 
Now, you've got to understand that because what brothers and sisters will do, and I believe they're saved, but some Seventh-day Adventists, they'll try to take the Sabbath and put it way back in the beginning. And what you'll notice when you start studying the life of Abraham and Noah and these other, not one of them worshipped the Sabbath. Not one of them kept the Sabbath. Now, God mentions it. In, uh, who's, writing, who's writing Genesis? When they create, it's Moses, and he mentions the six days and seven days of Sabbath. He's mentioning this stuff because he's been given the Sabbath while, after he's wrote this. But it confirms there in verse 14, and it made us known unto them, thy holy Sabbath. So we see there that the Sabbath was given there. It was given to Israel. It wasn't given to the Christian. And commandest them precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses, thy servant. And gavest them bread from heaven for their hunger, and brought forth water from them out of the rock for their thirst. And promised them that they should go in to possess the land which thou hast sworn to give them. So it's miracle after miracle God's been given to Israel. They've seen God work in their, in, in, with their very own eyes. Verse 16. But they and our fathers dealt proudly and hardened their necks and hearkened not to thy commandments and refused to obey. Neither were mindful of thy wonders that thou didst among them, but hardened their necks and in their rebellion appointed a captain to return to their bondage. They got to where they were hard-hearted, they were proud, they wanted to turn back and go back to Israel. All this comes from pride. But I want to focus on the end of verse 17. Because I am thankful for this. But, the most beautiful word in the English language, but after all of this, but thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and forsookest them not. I want to preach this morning on what God is like. What our God is like. And I want to focus this about this as we go through this. And I don't know how, I don't think it's going to be a very long sermon, but my point about this sermon is this. I want you to get anything, if you get anything, get this out of this. God does not have to be this kind of God. He's made all things. He keeps all things. He should be worshipped above all things. And he chooses to be ready to pardon, gracious, merciful, slow to anger, great kindness, and a God that won't forsake you. Amen. He don't have to be that way. Our God is God who can say, I don't want to pardon you. And you can't say nothing about it. I don't want to be kind to you. And he could be mean and cruel to us. He doesn't have to be merciful. He doesn't have to show us grace. But that's not what God is like. Amen. God chooses to be like these six things that are listed right here. And this morning, I want to go through each one of these and talk about each one of these six things. What kind of God is God like? God is like that list right there. He's a God that's ready to pardon. Gracious, merciful, slow to anger, great kindness, and a God that won't forsake you. And he doesn't have to be that way. And I'm thankful that God is not that way. Amen. But it brings to my heart that I've had men and women in my life, and I've had, I, I was raised by a good mother. And I don't know if I'm thankful enough for her being the way she was. And I want us to think about that, that we need to be thankful for the people that are around us that do choose to do the right things. Amen. And be thankful for them that they do choose to be, try to be good Christians, try to live a Christian life. Or maybe they, 
they chose to try to be a good dad, or try to be. A, and, and the society that we're living in today, brothers and sisters, where we see people that don't choose to do the right things over and over. They don't choose to be a good mother. They don't choose to be a good father. They don't choose to be a good Christian. They don't choose. If we find somebody that we see is choosing to try to live the right kind of life, we need to acknowledge that, and we need to support that, and we need to be very thankful for that. And that's what makes me thankful to God, that our God chooses to be the kind of God that he does. Amen. There's a, uh, there was a, it, this is the craziest thing, but there's a guy that came into the Blanket School District. My wife was there working at Blanket School District, and he had this big, huge pirate ship he drug around behind him. And he, he did these, uh, he come into schools and talked at schools and presented this, and he had this big pirate ship. I mean, it was about, it looked like an eighth of a pirate ship, this huge thing he drug along. And he, he was dressed like a pirate, and his wife was dressed like a pirate. And they came in, they spoke to the kids. It sounds like the most foolish thing you can think of. But the guy said, someone, said one of the most profound things I've ever heard said. And my wife came home and told me what he said, and when she told it to me, I, I instantly wrote it in the back of my Bible. That's how profound it was. That says a lot right there. But what he said is, he said to all these kids, the, the auditorium full of kids, he says, you're not a winner. You're not a winner. And you're not a loser. You're a chooser. Now let that sink in a little bit. You're not a winner. You're not a, a loser. You're a chooser. It's your choices it's how you choose to live. It's what you choose to do that makes your life, that makes you a winner, that makes you a loser. Guys, you're not, you're not a winner because of some circumstances. You're a winner because of how you choose to live a certain thing, way. You're a winner not because of what's happened in your life. You're a winner because you choose to how you want to handle these things that happen in your life. I, I'm going to heaven not because of anything I did, but I'm going to heaven because I chose Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. You're not a winner, you're not a loser, you're a chooser. And I wanna, I'm focusing on that this morning because I want to focus on that. Our God, with all the ability He has, as a creator of the universe, as He's made all things, as He sustains all things, as He has a very, our very heart in His hands, He chooses to be kind and merciful and ready to pardon and gracious. That's a wonderful God we've got. Amen. That's a wonderful God. So let's start with the first one. God is ready to pardon, but thou art a God, thou art a God ready to pardon. He's ready and willing to let you go for your sin and pardon you and let you go. I like the word ready that's in there. Because God is ready to do that. It's, what that implies is that God's waiting to do it. He's ready. He's got it ready. He's loaded up. He's ready. He's got the paper signed. He's got his son that's hung on the cross. He's got the blood shed. It's all been done. Now he's ready to get it done. Are you ready and willing to allow him? You might, you might not be ready and willing, but God's always ready and willing to pardon you for your sin. That's the kind of God that we have. In Isaiah 55, verses 6 and 7, God said, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he, that's our God, will abundantly pardon. Amen. What's the key to being pardoned? Forsaking your way, repenting. It's just a repentance. 
saying, you know what, I, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't, and just turning to God, God says, I see what you're saying. If we're faithful, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's all that pardoning going on. And that's our God. Our God is always quick to want to pardon. He's always quick to want to let us go. He's always quick to want to let us be free of this sin. He's ready to pardon us. He wants to have a relationship with us. Can you imagine that? A God that created all things, that sustains all things, that should be worshipped above all things. He wants to have a relationship with you. Amen. Jesus Christ said, one of the most amazing things Jesus Christ said as the Son of God, as God manifest in the flesh, He said, you are my friends. Amen. What? Why would you want to be my friend? <laughs> you know, uh, I want to be your friend, but why would you want to be my friend? There's lots of people uh, we want to be friends with, but they don't want to be friends with. There's some of these rich people I'd like to hobnob with and get friends with, see if I get a couple million dollars from them maybe. But they don't want to be my friend. God has control of the whole universe. has all the, all the wealth in his hands. says, you know what, I want to be your friend. I'm ready to pardon you. I'm ready to pardon you. You know what God's not like? He's not ready to condemn. See, sometimes, sometimes it's what the Bible doesn't say that's so amazing. God, in His infinite, in His infinite uh, holiness, in His infinite holiness, could have said, "I'm ready to condemn. You're wicked. You're sinful, and I'm ready to condemn you." But that's not our God. Amen. He said, "I'm ready to pardon you." And if you'll come, if you'll try to forsake your way, you'll come to me and you'll seek me. Isaiah 55 says, "I'll pardon you and pardon you abundantly." Man, I like those words. I like that word abundant. I like that word abundant. He could have chose. He could have chose to be a God that was ready to condemn. But you know what the Bible says about that? John chapter three, verse seventeen. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Amen. Some people wonder why do you give so much to God? Why do you? Want to serve God? Why do you have such a heart for God? Well, I don't have as big a heart as you think for God, but I'll tell you what, why, why I love God so much is because He's so lovable. Amen. He's nothing like me, and that makes Him very likable. Amen. He doesn't think like me. His ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts, and I love that about Him. Because He don't think like I think, and I, I, I'm thankful for that. Because I don't know if I'm ready to pardon everybody, but He is. You know, I have some enemies that I, I, I had to try to pray for and say, I, Lord, give me the love for them you want me to have. But in my heart, I had to really be careful because I want them to be condemned. I want something bad to happen to them so I can laugh at them. Yeah. <laughs> Do y'all have anybody like that in your life? Amen. That you just are waiting for them, some bad tragedy? You're waiting for the, the, you're waiting to, you want to be there when you're, dri you're, you're driving behind them and the, and the back tire blows and they go out and skid off the road and go off into the creek or something like that and you can get out and start laughing. You want to be, is that, you have enemies like that? If you don't, I'll give you some of mine, you know. No, but the point is, is that God's not like that. He's not like that. He wants the best for his enemies. Because you know how much he loves his enemies? He's willing to die for them. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. He's a God that's not only ready to pardon, the Bible says, but thou art a God ready to pardon. He's also gracious. Gracious. When you need that gift of eternal life and there's absolutely no way you can earn it, and you know in your heart there's no way. I, if I had to earn eternal life, I couldn't earn it. I'm not good enough. I can't work long enough. I can't do enough good works. God said, that's okay. I'll just show grace 
give it to you. <laughs> that, that, that's our God. That's what God's like. He's full of grace. He's full of grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Oh, wonderful words. Wonderful, wonderful words of grace. You say, Brother Keegan, I, I, have, I, I want to be pardoned for my sins. I want God to show me grace. But man, I have so much sin and I'm such a wicked criminal. You know what the Bible says about that? It says in Romans chapter 5, it said, Where sin abounded, where sin abounded and sin is abounding in your life. I'm telling you, sin is abounded in your life. If you have a lot of sin, the Bible says where sin is abounded, grace did much more abound. That's our God. He says, you got a lot of sin? Well, guess what? I have a lot of grace. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. I mean, that's our God. He doesn't have to be that way, guys. He can say, you have too much sin. Get out of here. I'm only going to show, I, I'm God. I created you. I expect you to be holy. I expect you, and you don't know. I'm, I'm fed up with you. I've had it up to here. No, get away. Not, but God is not, God's not that God. That's not how God is like. God has, is gracious, and he gives us stuff that we don't deserve, and he gives it to us more abundantly. Look, look at 2 keep your hand here because we're going to come back, but look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'd like for you to turn there if you're following along with me because I want to make sure you know this verse is in your Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to make sure you know this verse is in your Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8 because every Christian needs it. Every Christian needs it. You know, we could, remember, God could be a God that's just a cold God and takes what he wants, but he's not. He's the kind of God that's gracious. Uh, it's, I'm thankful, I'm so thankful the Lord's not how the world predict, uh, pre presents him. The, the, the world presents God in a, as, as some God I don't even recognize him. That's not the God I know, the way they try to present him. But look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. You need grace? Here it is. And God is able to make all, A-L-L, grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Amen. Say, uh, Lord, I, just, I'm, I, I know I'm a Christian now. I know I'm a born-again believer. I know I'm your son. But, Lord, I'm having a hard time doing what you want me to do. God says, I'll give you grace to do it. I'm having a hard time forgiving. I'll give you grace to do it. I need more grace, Lord. I got more grace to give. Lord, I need a whole lot more grace. I have a whole lot more grace to give. Lord, I don't know if you have enough grace. I have enough grace to give to you because God is able to make all grace abound toward you. The Lord provides it all so that we can do it all. The Lord provides it all so that we can do it all. That ye always having all sufficiency. He, ha he provides it all. In all things, he provides it all. May abound to every good work. Yeah. Bro uh, brothers and sisters, as Christians, you don't have any excuse. You say, well, I'm having trouble, Brother, uh, Brother Keegan. Well, we all have troubles. Well, I need, I, I need, some, I need some help. You got help. Amen. God's there to help you. Well, I need grace. You got grace. He's not that God. He's not the God that runs out of grace. He's not the God that finally says, I don't have enough grace. He always has enough grace, and he wants to give you more grace, and that's the kind of gracious God that we serve. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. The, back in Nehemiah chapter 9, it says that he's not only ready to pardon, that he's not only gracious, but he is merciful. Amen. Merciful. God is merciful. What does mercy mean? Grace is getting something you didn't earn. 
and you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Mercy is defined as not getting what you deserve. A judge can show mercy. A judge can say, okay, I know you deserve uh, 30 years in prison, but I've seen you've been a good, outstanding citizen. I've seen this is the, your first offense. So I, as a judge, I'm allowed to only have to, I'm, I'm going to show you mercy and only give you 15 years or 20 years. And we've seen judges do that. That's called mercy. But a judge can't show grace and say, okay, your pardon, get out of here. A judge can't do that. God does through Jesus Christ. But mercy is a totally different thing. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. God never, now listen to me, God has never given you what you deserve. Amen. <laughs> if, you're a Christian, if, you're, if you're a Christian like me or a sinner like me, you know God's never given Amen. me what I deserve. And I mean that. Amen. So I mean, the world we live in, guys, give me what I deserve. Give me what I deserve. It's about me, me, me. Give me, give me, give me. Give me what I deserve. You don't want to be given what you deserve. Amen. you got to earn it. And if I earned anything that gives me the right to ask God to be kind and merciful and to pardon me and to show me, be slow to anger with me, not one thing have I done to show God that he deserves to do that for me. Not one thing. As a matter of fact, God deserves just to wipe me out, kick me out, do whatever. I deserve every bit of that, but he is merciful. He does not give us what we deserve. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. I was driving, I, when I drive up here to church, Hope there's no cops listening to me or anything. But when I drive up here to church, when I get up on 218, that turns into the motor speedway for me. Now, before y'all start judging me, saying, well, you're breaking the law, breaking the law. Well, there is no law. There is no transgression. And I never have seen a cop on that road for 13 years until one day. One day. Go over the hill there by Democrat. I'm doing my usual, you know, I'm not going to tell you how fast I was going, but I was going pretty fast. The tires were leaving the ground, and there's a cop sitting at the bottom. I went, oh, and I hit the brake. You know, try to slow down a little bit. Woo, he throws on his lights. It's like a county sheriff. Pulls me over. Pulls me over, you know. And I, I get, my, wife, is she, my wife doesn't talk a lot. But the looks on her face says all I need to know. And the look on her face was, I could just see it coming out, was, I've told you to slow down. I've told you to slow down. I've told you to slow down. You big idiot, this is what you get. You better not do nothing stupid. You better not say nothing stupid. You know, this, that, and other. Cop gets up there. Like, Where you go on? And, of course, I start saying, I'm a pastor, and I wanted to say, one of my members is in the hospital and is dying. I need to get up there right now. You know, I wanted to lie, but I couldn't lie. I could have lied, but I didn't lie. And I just said, no, I'm just heading up here, you know, up at Indian Gap, this, that, and other. And he, he, he went back, come back in, he found out that I, wasn't, I didn't have any warrants out for my arrest, thank God. And he said, you know what? I believe, I believe everyone deserves a second chance. And he wrote out a warning. And he handed it to me. And I almost just got out and started hugging him. I did. I, I mean, because I was just so happy. I would get out and start doing a dance a jig or something like that. And I, I looked at my wife, and I was like, ooh, that was a lucky one, you know. And I was all, kind of got smiling and everything. And, I, of course, I slowed down all the way up there. First thing I did is ran up to one of the members of Joker and told him, man, there's, I saw a cop up there. You better slow down, you know. <laughs> Warning. I, like, I know he's like me, lead-footed. That's my kind of cop. That's my kind of cop that gives a man a second chance. Amen. Amen. That's my kind of cop. That's my kind of God. That's my kind of God. It gives a man or a woman a second chance. Amen. And a third chance. 
and a fourth chance and a fifth chance. Y'all see where I'm going with this? That's my kind of God that shows mercy over and over and over again. When honestly, God with his being God could be cruel. What's the opposite of mercy? Just be cruel. Give me what I deserve and be cruel about it. He's God. He could do that. But he doesn't. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But he doesn't. That's why he should be worshipped above all things. Because as a creator and as a sustainer, he has the ability and the right to do whatever he wants to do. But he decides, you know what? I'm, I'm not only going to show them grace. They deserve for me to come in there. I'm just going to show some mercy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you. The Bible goes on to say there in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17, But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful. And the next one, slow to anger. We have a God that's slow to anger. You know, we have a God that's slow to anger, and I'll be honest with you guys, he has all right to be angry and to be fast to wrath. I guess the opposite of that would be fast to wrath. He has a, he has a right to get angry pretty quick. I, I know I would. I see the people and the way people ignore God, mock God, pretend like God doesn't exist with all the evidence shoved in their face. I see how scientists see an incredible design and architectural to this universe, and when they're presented with the fact there has to be an intelligent designer, that they'll deny it and say, I'm an atheist and don't believe in a God. I see this over and over again. I see people who believe, who believe in God call him stupid, Call God stupid, call God mean, call God cruel, call God a chauvinist. They, 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 they're never ending the names I've heard God called. And God's slow to anger. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this this morning, you better thank God that I'm not God. Because if if, as, as my, with my personality... I, some of the things I've heard people say, if I was God, I'd just, one day, they'd be talking bad about me, and I'd show up in the living room and go, boom. And then take my little finger and go, boom, and send them about the other side of Japan, you know, just flick them and say, boom. Or just come down and smash them like an ant. There you go, there you go. There. But some Christians die young. And some of the most wicked people I know, they live to be 80 and 90 years old. And I'm like, what? God's slow to anger. He's ready to pardon them, and they've never been pardoned. Amen. He's gracious, he's merciful, and he wants to see them saved. Amen. And he's waiting on them. He's waiting on them to get saved. I'm glad God's not like me. I'm glad God doesn't have a quick temper. Verse, verse 17 tells us one other thing about God. It says he's slow to anger, and he's of great kindness. He's kind. God is so kind, Amen. so loving. And so merciful and forgiving that some people just can't accept it. And I've had to deal with that a lot lately. And it's interesting in my ministry that, that, uh, that it's mostly men, that they just can't believe that God would forgive them. Amen. But if you knew what I did, uh, yeah, I, I don't even have to know, but God will forgive you. And then they'll tell me what, what they did, and I just almost want to, I give them scripture, saying, brother, you haven't done anything worse than what these Christians right here did. But, but I don't know if God can forgive me. They just can't believe that, a kind, that God can be so kind and loving and forgiving. And the reason why is because they're not. They're not kind and loving and forgiving. None of us are. 
And the truth is, is that the, another reason why they can't believe God's that way, because they're not like that, and they don't know anybody else that's like that. Amen. And you're not going to find anybody else like that. That's like our God that's kind and loving and forgiving to murderers and rapists and child molesters, and the list goes on and on. All those people you think should be hung up at the courthouse, God is kind and loving and forgiving to them. I'm not saying that justice, justice shouldn't be served. And God did serve justice for him on the cross of Calvary. But I'm telling you that God has a heart for all those prisoners down in Gatesville. Every one of them. Every one of them. He's kind to his enemies. He's merciful, ready to pardon, gracious. What a loving, kind, and forgiving God we have. And I want to point out one thing, too. He doesn't have to be that way. And, and that's what I'm keep. I'm hammering out this morning because I really want you to get this in your head. God does not have to be this way. Amen. He can be whatever way He wants to be, and He chooses to be this way. Amen. And Christian, whatever you're doing in your life, you don't have to do it. If you're doing some sin in your life, you say, "Well, it's just I, you know this is the way I was raised. It's just and, you know I'm just having trouble." You don't have to be. You're choosing to be that way. If one day you decide, you decide you want to choose to get rid of that sin, God will help you do it through grace. Amen. He'll do it. I mean, I, it's your choice. I'm not Calvinistic. I believe God gives us a free will. We have the choice. You have a choice. And God has a choice too. And he chooses to be all these things towards you. Man, it's so beautiful. And the last one I want to show you, because it says, verse 17, But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. Not just kindness, great kindness. And forsookest them not. Amen. Finally, I want to point out that God is a God that will not forsake you. Amen. Look at Hebrews chapter 13 in closing. Hebrews chapter 13. He's a God that will not forsake you. Oh, I'm so thankful that we have this God. I, I, I read about the God of Allah. Islam, and everything I read about Islam and their God, he's not, he keeps saying he's merciful, but I don't see a lot of mercy. And I just don't really care to, I don't really like that God. He's not the kind of God that I like. He's not, like I said, he's like, that's my kind of cop, that's not my kind of God. But my kind of God is this God we're reading about right here, Jehovah God. Amen. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, this is what it says, Let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with such things as you have. For he had said, God has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen. You know, through all our sins, through all our troubles, through all our backslidings, through all our problems we have going on in life, everything we go through, God sticks with it, sticks with us through thick and thin. When we do things that embarrass God, He doesn't forsake us. When we say things that embarrass God, He doesn't forsake us. When we say things that are so awful and so wicked to brothers and sisters, when we do things that are so awful and so wicked to other people around us, that God has all right to do whatever He wants to do to us, He doesn't forsake us. He sticks, through, he sticks with us through thick and thin. 
I think that's why God and through Jesus Christ presented us his view on adultery and on, uh, on marriage. He was so adamant against divorce. Because when you make that covenant to say, I do, and you stick with somebody, and you say, I do, and the other person says, I do, and you say, I will get, we're in this together, that you're supposed to be in it through thick and thin, through the good times, through the bad, when they're, when they're making you happy and when they're making you mad. You're supposed to stick through thick and thin. Because you know why God, God's so against that divorce? He's so against that because God is not going to divorce you. God's not going to kick you out. God's not going to say, oh, well, you know, he wants you. He wants to keep you. He's going to keep you. And he's never, ever going to forsake you. I think I want to close by saying this. I think the greatest injustice done in the world, the greatest injustice done in the world is the way they try to portray God as being something other than what I just showed you he was this morning. They try to portray God as being uh, mean, cruel. They try to portray God and, and such as harsh. They try to portray God as being a God that he's never presented himself to be like. And I encourage you, if you don't know my God like I know my God, you need to get into the Word of God. Amen. Get into his Word. This is his letters. This is his written letter to you. And he just said to you there, he says, I'm a God that is ready to pardon, who's gracious and merciful. He said, I'm slow to anger. I'm never going to forsake you. He's all those things, and he shows great kindness. That's the kind of God he is, and he says, that's the kind of God I am. Do you know him that way? Do you know God like we know God? That's how I know it. When I read this stuff, it, I, when I, honestly, when I read through this in my daily Bible reading, I just read right through it. And then something caught my attention. Now I went back and started looking at it. And it says, but our God, Amen. but thou art a God. And I thought, man, that, that's good. Because he don't have to be a God like that. And it really struck me. It's like, God, I, I, I'm, I, and I prayed. I did. I prayed. I said, Lord, thank you for being the God that you are. And I got to thinking about my mom and how she raised me and she tried to get me into church and do those things right. And I thought, you know, I'm thankful I had the mom I had. And I got to thinking about this church and the, and the people in this church, especially in this time where we have so much illness, so many people are stepping up and cooking and taking care of things. I'm, I, I'm thankful that I'm around Christians that try to do the right thing. Amen. And it goes back to choices. You don't have to choose to do the things you're doing. And for those of you that are choosing to try to do what you think the Lord wants you to do, thank God for you. Amen. I thank my God for you. And I thank my God that he's exactly how he is. Amen. And he chooses to be the way he is. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for being the way you are. Lord, I just thank you for your ready to pardon, your grace, your mercy, Lord God, your slow to anger. All these things are read, Father. Your kindness, how you will never forsake us, Lord. You're slow to anger, Lord, stuff. just, uh, Father, it just it perplexes me, Lord, that you want to be this way. Father, because in my nature, Lord God, in my flesh, I'm not that way. And Father, I want to be more like you. And Father, I just pray you fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord God, that I might think like you and I might act like you, Lord God, and that Keegan won't come out. It'll be you, Lord God, that comes out and manifests out, Lord God, that people will see you in me. And Father, I want to choose to, do, to be a better Christian, Lord. I, I choose to be a better talking Christian, a better acting Christian, Lord God. I choose to be a better son to you, Lord. 
Lord, I choose to have more fellowship with you. I choose to worship you more, Lord God. And Father, I'm thankful to you, Lord God, that you did send me a good mother and good friends and good co-workers and, and good church members, Lord God. I thank you, Father, that I've got good fellowship, Lord God, with Christian brothers and sisters, Lord. And Father, I just want to thank you for being you. And Lord, I just, I'm, I'm amazed by you and I worship you and I fall down before you, Lord, and I thank you. And Father, I just pray, Lord God, if there's somebody to need the sound of my voice that's never received Jesus Christ, Lord, they don't know you the way I know you, Lord, I just pray your Holy Spirit will speak to their heart right now. And as we give this invitation, they'll come on down and make the right decision, make the right choice to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now I'm praying all this in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's have an invitation, brother. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord 
shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.